Welcome to uh, Celebration Church. If you have your Bibles, turn them to uh, two places, 1 John chapter 1 and John chapter 8. So two different books, 1 John and John, 1 John 1 and John chapter 8. And uh, we'll dive in in just a minute here, but um, how fun was last week? How much fun was last week? Uh, church in the Park with Elam, that was, that was, I had so much fun hanging out with everybody, uh, hanging out with the people from Elam, working with Pastor Ryan, and again, a, a huge thank you to everyone who, who put in a lot of hours and a lot of time um, preparing food, shopping for food, getting sound equipment ready, transporting equipment. It, it takes a lot to do something like that. I know sometimes people can say, church in the park one week, oh, that's easy, we'll just set up down there. For, for a lot of the technical aspects behind it, it's not just a, oh, that's easy. I know sometimes we, people that are helping with volunteer stuff can hear church in the park, and it's like, okay. All right, here we go. It's, it's a lot. So thank you to everyone who really came and put in extra time to make that possible. I, we couldn't have done it without you, and it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I'm also super excited that we're partnering with Elam again. We're going to be doing something called Gospel Tech in November. And if you have uh, kids who like technology or you have kids who are going to like technology, um, this thing we're putting together to work with Elam on is a presentation on how parents can help navigate phones and technology and all the, the stuff kids are into and how can we be, be good leaders for our kids, be aware of what's out there, how can we protect, how can we facilitate and help them learn and understand. It's gonna deal with a lot of, um, it's gonna deal with how to navigate through keeping kids safe from pornography and a whole lot of other technology issues. So I encourage everyone, it's gonna be totally free so I encourage people to sign up for that once more information comes, but that's going to be in November, and I'm super excited we get to partner with Elam to reach our community and just help equip parents in, in a great practical way. So we've been discussing the promises of God. I've had a lot of fun diving into the promises of God with you guys and seeing what does God say in Scripture that will never, ever change. And we've talked about a few things so far. We've talked about how God promises rest. We talked about how he has a promise of grace, and a couple weeks ago, we talked about this incredible promise of goodness that God gives us. God promises to be good, and I'm so thankful that he is good all the time, because man, I know I'm not good all the time, uh, but I serve a God who is good, and he's good to me. And my hope is that each week as we, as we continue to dive into his promises, that um, we make shifts and changes and see how God is working in our lives, and we can personally see how these promises come into play for each and every one of us. So I hope you guys have been learning as much as I have and knowing that this is all for the glory of God and, um, and just a joy that it's been to do this. And today we're going to look at one final promise to close out the series that we've called uh, Sweet Like Honey. Sweet Like Honey, the promises of God. And we've got this from Psalm 119.103. So kind of our, our theme verse for the series has been this. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Um, we've talked a lot about honey, and I've mentioned how honey is the one food that never, ever goes bad. It can get crystallized, but you just put it in hot water, or they just boil the container it's in, and it gets soft again. But honey never, ever goes bad. The only food in existence that will never expire. And the Word of God is the same way. It is sweet. It's good. It never expires. It's for all time. And over the past few weeks, these promises we learn about in Scripture are things that also will never expire. They can fuel us and motivate us through the hardest times, keep us encouraged in the good times, and help us never lose focus even in those good times as well. And as we close out the series today, I want to look at a really, really important one. This is probably the most important one because without it, a whole lot of the Bible means nothing. But this has the power to change your life at any point, no matter where you are in life, when you come to understand this promise he gives us. He promises us forgiveness through his son, Jesus. God promises us forgiveness, and man, this is the, this is the pinnacle promise that God could possibly give someone. He will forgive you no matter what. And I tell you, without this promise, if this promise did not exist, a whole lot of scripture would mean nothing. 
A lot of it would be, hey, this is a really good book of morals. This is, this is a lot of good things we can, we can shift our lives to live by. But without forgiveness, there, there loses a point to what everything that happened leading up to this is. Without the death and resurrection of Jesus, without his blood wiping away our sin, a lot of it means nothing. And that's a bold statement, but I, I truly believe that that's true. And I think some of us can, can look at things we've done in the past or, or think specifically of a time where we've hurt someone or someone has hurt us and think there is no way I can ever forgive that person or no way someone can ever forgive me. I cannot recover from this, but I love that God's promise is bigger than our doubts. God's promise is bigger than what we come to in our own mind. He will forgive and he does forgive. And I'm, willing, I'm here to tell you today, if you're here today and maybe you've struggled with that thought, Maybe something you've done in the past, you can even say, I know God's forgiven me, but man, I still carry the weight of this. I'm here to tell you today, God forgives you. God forgives you. He'll forgive you every single time. Imagine you're where you would be today if there was no forgiveness. If there was no forgiveness at all, ever, anywhere in the world, where would we be today? I feel like we'd still be in, in just World War I, right? I mean, it's just the, the first war that ever happened back in biblical times. If there's no forgiveness, it's still going on. It would be just mass chaos if forgiveness did not exist. Now think of someone in your life who maybe has hurt you. Think of if forgiveness didn't exist, would that person still be in your life? In, in any way, shape, or form, if, if the term forgiveness was not around and someone hurt you, would that person still be around today? Would you be in their life? I'm willing to bet no. Because forgiveness restores and forgiveness does so much for relationships, right? And we, we have a phrase, you know, people hurt people. But even more than people hurt people, hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people all the time. Without forgiveness, we'll fall into the cycle of hurt and this attack and, and this assaulting just on each other. There's no damage. There's no restoration. There's no, there's no end to the, the cycle, Right? But forgiveness is the first step in the process, a restoration of relationships, this promise of God that loves, this loving God who says, I will forgive as much as you need it because his love has no end. His love has no bounds. It is all-encompassing and for all time. Uh, a few weeks ago, I shared a story about lying to my mom, about when I, when I went to a movie, and some of you may remember the story when my brother... You know, we all lied about what we we're going to go see, and then my older brother had um, this, this wonderful moral moment where he ratted us out, and he ratted us out by confessing to my mom what movie he took us to, and I kept trying to lie about it. Well, I'm not going to rehash the whole story, but I know that when my mom forgave me, it was one of those moments where I was like, I did not deserve to be forgiven. As fast as she forgave me, I did not deserve it. There was a shift in my life when I understood what she had just done for me. But then there was an even another shift when I realized what God had done, how God had forgiven me for it as well. But this forgiveness allowed me to move past these moments. It allowed me to move past this moment of shame and move into a better relationship with my mom. It allowed me to move past shame and into a deeper relationship with God because I understood exactly what they had done for me even though I didn't deserve it. My mom and God, they, they didn't hold me down. They, did, they didn't push back and belittle me because of my failure. They actually used it to make me stronger. That was a pivotal point in my life, in my relationship, where I was able to say, this is how I can get better because of this. This is where I can move forward, and this is how I will not do that again. I was able to use that as a pinnacle for me and say, this is where things will shift because I understand what I had done, and I understand how great it is that I've been forgiven for this. But it started with my mom, my parents modeling it for me, and then God modeling it for me as well. And forgiveness, this is a quality that is involved in God's character, and it's one that we're simply invited to receive. 
We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. We are invited to receive this incredible gift, right? But when we talk about forgiveness, I think we also have to talk about what does that mean? How do we receive this gift? There's, some people say, well, I'm forgiven, so I can just do whatever I want. But there, there's actually steps involved, I believe, to understanding and receiving this gift God has given us. But it also, it starts with this common denominator that I've said before, but this puts us all on the same playing ground. Everyone ready? We are all sinners in need of forgiveness, Right? That, that is the, the common denominator, everyone in this room, everyone outside of this room, the whole world. We are all sinners in need of forgiveness. We're all in the same playing field. We can start there, right? To understand what this means, understand this will not change for anybody. Also know that because we're sinners and God forgives us, we have responsibility to forgive others. And we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit today. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. If you, uh, if you haven't highlighted this in your Bible yet, highlight it, and then put like 15 more highlighter marks on the word all right there. Just know that it's, it's all of us. We've all done it. We've all fallen short, meaning we don't deserve what God has given us. As humanity, we have failed in this area. The Bible says at some point, even, maybe, it was, maybe it was you on your way to church today, car cuts you off and you're like, that, I just sinned in my response to that person. Yep, it's, we've all done it. We've all had this moment where we've fallen short of the standard that God has set for us. Another way to say it, simply put, nobody's perfect. Nobody is perfect. And that's not an excuse, that is the reality, right? The reality is nobody is perfect, we all mess up. This is the reason we needed a savior. This is the reason we needed God to come. We needed Jesus to come and shed his blood because we are not perfect and we all mess up on a daily basis. But Jesus came, he's made the way for us to receive forgiveness. Forgiveness for our sins so that we may experience new, abundant life here on earth. Now, what does this concept and promise of forgiveness actually look like, though? It's important for us to understand, I think, that it's God's people, and so that's why we're going to dive into this together. Now, there, there's a lot of passages in Scripture that talk about forgiveness, way too many to, to go over in one message, um, but, but we're going to do some of it today, and we're going to dive into an incredible story together. Now, we couldn't possibly cover everything, but we're going to start in 1 John 1, 9, and it says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I think there are a few parts to this forgiveness journey that we can pull from this to, to, that are important and noteworthy about how we understand and dive into this promise of forgiveness God gives us. And the first one is this is the first chunk of, of words in this passage. It says, if we confess our sins. If we confess our sins. The first step in this process, after we do something wrong, is to do what with God about it? We've got to talk to him about it. Have, have you ever tried to solve a problem with somebody by saying nothing about it ever? It doesn't really work, right? Uh, sometimes you say, let's just forget about it. But even saying, let's just forget about it, you're addressing the issue in some way, shape, or form, right? You, you, so God says, it says, if you want to talk about forgiveness, step number one, let's talk about it. Let's talk about what you did. Newsflash, he already knows what you did. He was there when you did it. He, he thought about it after, just like you've been thinking about it after. He already knows. So you confessing it, this is not a newsflash to him. This is more for you for the release of saying, God, here's what I've done. It's to get weight off of your shoulders to bring this to God. He already knows he's ready to talk and listen. Jesus already made this way to communicate to God. See, see, Jesus came in, and in Scripture actually says he intercedes for us at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He intercedes, meaning he has taken the place. He has bridged this gap. Intercedes means to intervene on behalf of another. 
which means when we go to God, we go through Jesus because he has intervened. He has made it possible for us to communicate with God our problem. And, and interceding is something we can all be familiar with. So, so we have the football season coming up. Has anybody been watching preseason stuff? It's, it's a lot of fun watching all the players that aren't even on the team yet try to make the team. And, um, and I, was, I was actually just talking with Donald this morning. You guys, I'm a Niners fan, I know. But the, the Seahawks third and fourth stringers, all these guys, they look good. They're playing fun. They're playing some fun football. That hurts me to say that, right? <laughs> now, on the, on the other side, the 49ers played last week to play the Raiders and just got obliterated. Like, it was, it was sad. But the Niners played yesterday, and they won, and it was good. Now, this whole interceding thing, the Seahawks helped the 49ers last year. I don't know if you guys want to admit this or not. I think we played the Seahawks in week two. Was it week two? Week two or three? It was early on. And the Seahawks broke Trey Lance's ankle, the Niners quarterback. So what happened? Another quarterback had to intercede for Trey Lance. And Trey Lance was trash, and Garoppolo was less trash, but he, he was winning. So the Seahawks helped the Niners with this interceding of a new quarterback, and then Garoppolo got hurt, now we have Brock Purdy, and he's going to win a million Super Bowls, right? So, but, but this interceding, coming in on behalf of somebody else, that, that's what this means. So when, when we look at Scripture, we see that Jesus intercedes for us. He comes in, and when we go to God, we say, God, we're confessing our sins. God doesn't see a sinner. What God sees is someone who is covered by the blood of Jesus standing before him saying, I am coming on your behalf. Jesus took the punishment for us. We confess our sins, and Jesus stands there, and he says, I have forgiven your sins. Romans 8.34 says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. This means when, when we cry out to God, we're, we're asking for something forgiveness, Jesus comes in. He's the mediator between the two of us. We have no right, if you want to get to the nitty-gritty, we have no right to stand before God because of our, our sin nature, uh, because he is holy and perfect and we are not. We are flawed. He is not. We are sinners. He is sinless. But we can't get to him, but Jesus steps in and says, I bridge this gap. I have forgiven you. You can come because I am here now. He made this way for us to do it. Because of this, even after we screw up in sin again, we get to approach God because of who Jesus is. We can have a confidence because of the blood and sacrifice of the king, and that's an amazing promise. It's an amazing gift. Hebrews 4, 6 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Remember the, the concept of grace we, we talked about about four weeks ago, I believe it was. Uh, we, we need to remember God's ultimate desire is to show us grace. He wants to show us grace and give us grace and mercy all the time. And he does this through this gift of forgiveness. This is how we receive these promises. But first, we have to recognize our need for it. Recognizing it meaning, God, we've got to talk about it. We've got to talk about it. This is where confession comes in uh, to play through prayer. We confess our sins directly to God. And after we do this first step, so we, we say, all right, God has this promise of forgiveness. The first step, we, we talk about it. The second step, we receive forgiveness. We receive what he's already offered. Notice how there's no confess, then go do this, go do this, be better. The second step is just we receive what he's given us. I'm going to read this passage again, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's what I would argue today. Accepting that fact that God forgives us and accepting forgiveness for ourselves are two very different things. 
One is often easier than the other, right? Some, sometimes if you ask for forgiveness, like I said earlier, you'll still feel the weight. You still feel bad for what you've done. You still wrestle with, with where you've come from. You, maybe you went through the steps. You repented. You had this time where you're like, God, I'm, I'm coming to you, and, and I know you forgive me, but man, I can't get over this. I am struggling. Whatever it was that you needed forgiveness from, it weighed you down, and you still feel shame. I've talked with so many people over the years and, and all sorts of life that, that have struggled with this for very different reasons. I've talked with people who have had addictions that they feel like they can't kick, and then they do kick it, but then they come back to, I hurt so many people when I was doing this, they can never forgive me. I can never forgive myself for what I've done to people. I've talked with people who have, who have cheated on their spouses, people who have been addicted to pornography, women who, who have had abortions and regretted that decision more than anything, people who have done things that they look back on and they say, I know God forgives me, but I can never forgive myself for what I've done. I'm going to say, God forgives you. God forgives you. Even in the moments where we have that deep regret and shame, God says, I forgive you, and we need to work on forgiving ourselves. Receiving that forgiveness is not just about God saying you're forgiven. It's about us releasing it as well. Sometimes we, we hold on to it, and, and when we do that, we're letting our sin, we're letting our shame of our past push us down when God says, I freed you from that shame. I am, you are free from your burdens. I will take that burden from you. Maybe you've been there before. Maybe, maybe you're, you're here today in that moment. You're, you've cried out, you've confessed, and you said, God, I know what the Bible says. I know what you offer, but I'm struggling. I'm here to let you know that if there's a voice inside, a voice you hear telling you, you're right, you're not worth it, you'll never do it, that is not the voice of God. That's not God speaking to you. That's something else telling you you're not worthy. God says, I am enough for you, and I've done this for you. Condemnation does not come from the mouth of God. God does not condemn you. Maybe he'll get rid of the sin, condemn the sin, but he will not condemn you. There's a powerful story where we see this in action, very popular story. In John chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, we're going to read this together. It says this, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where the, temp where the people gathered all around him, and he sat down to teach them. Teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Side note, I would love to know what he was doodling on the ground in this moment. But at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman standing there. You see, see the religious leaders, they, they bring this woman to this crowd. They say, she is a sinner. The law says we get to kill her now. And they wanted Jesus' opinion on the matter. And ultimately it says, you know, this was a trap. They were trying to find something to accuse Jesus of, to come down on him. But upon their request, Jesus tells the religious leaders, whoever has never sinned against God, okay, you cast the first stone. You throw it. And one by one, sure enough, as expected, they walk away. They know none of them can throw that stone because they've all sinned. Until Jesus, who is sinless as nature, right? Sinless in nature, standing right there before a woman born into sin. So we have a picture of a sinner and the forgiver of sins right there by themselves. This is a beautiful picture with what happens next. Continuing in verse 10, Jesus straightened up and asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. I get the chills reading this because it's so powerful. I love what he says. He says, then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, 
Now go and leave your life of sin. I love that. Jesus, what she had done was true. She had cheated, she, they caught her in the act of cheating on her husband. But Jesus did not condemn her. Jesus right there shows her what a loving, forgiving God is. And I love this line that he gives her afterwards. He says, go now and leave your life of sin. I think this is so key. Where are your accusers? They're gone. Go and sin no more, as some verses or, scripture, or translations will say it. This is, I think this is key because so often we can even come to a point where we say, so, you know, we fall into a trap. Oh, I'm saying, it's, I'm forgiven. It's not a big deal. I messed up. It's all right. And then we use that as justification for doing it again. Right? I think a lot of us have different sins that we may struggle with, but sometimes we believe that lie that it's not a big deal because we've already been forgiven. We believe a lie that's saying, I can just confess it and God will forgive it and I'll just do it again because he'll forgive me every time. And I would tell you now that if, if that's where you're struggling with or you're wrestling with, I would say that's a heart issue that we, we need to come to God with. Because he, I know God didn't send his son so you could purposely keep sinning. God sent his son so you could do this, so you could go now and leave your life of sin. Sin is a big deal. Sin is a big deal. It, had a, it has a big consequence, and it cost God a big price to pay for it. But we confess what we do, and then we receive it for free. We need to make sure that, that when, we, when we confess and we receive it, we're then doing that. We're saying, all right, God, here's what I was doing. Here's what I know your word says. Here's what I know you're saying to me. I now have to make a very intentional shift to walk away from it. There, there's the action step, Right? I am now walking away from my sin. And I know that that's easier said than done because we are, we're, it's sin nature. We, we mess up often. We do things often. We have, it's, habits are hard to break, but that doesn't mean we're just going to give into it. It means we're going to do our absolute best knowing that when God is there and we come to him and we say, God, I messed up. What do I do? He says, I don't condemn you. Let's go for it again. Let's do this again. No one, I will not push you away, but go and sin no more. And when we understand what God's voice actually sounds like, we, we start to believe that forgiveness truly is available to all of us. It isn't just some biblical thing that we read about and say, oh, well, God did this for them, and, and maybe God can do something for me. It's something we get to live every day by, something we get to embrace, saying, God forgives me. I don't have to be afraid of this. I get to do my absolute best and come to him knowing that he loves me through all of it. We are washed clean by the blood of Jesus. We are forgiven. That is an incredible gift and an incredible promise. My prayer for us is that we, we don't take advantage of that. Don't take advantage in, in the negative way, right? Don't live out life saying, he'll just forgive me so I can do it again anyways. If there's something in your life right now where you can say, I do this regularly and this is anti-scripture, I would say, focus on the words of Jesus where he says, I don't condemn you, go and do that no more. Shift away from it. Set your eyes on him. Follow his word, knowing that his word is always best and it's better than anything we could ever do for ourselves. And we do those things. There's the third step here, I believe. We, we confess, we turn away from it, we know that we are cleansed from unrighteousness. That's a beautiful thing, being clean. I mean, we, we all, you know, we shower daily, youth, I hope you do, right? But we, we, we clean. There's, there's something good about being clean. When you, when you invite people over to your house, you want to make sure it's clean. You know, we, we like clean things. Knowing that what Jesus did for us, we are clean. He wipes it away from you. You are pure and perfect in his eyes because of what he's done for you. This, based on our first John verse, seems to be the outcome of receiving forgiveness in your life. And the Bible talks a lot about the cleansing power of God. And I wanted to show something with you here to make sure I do the right ones. That's the one. Okay. So 
Okay, a lot of you know I was a children's pastor for like 13 years. This is something I would do with kids, but it's, it's always fun to do as long as I don't mess it up. So we have sin, right? We have God made us pure and clean. Sin, not pure, not clean, really messes up. And when sin comes into our lives, it has the ability to just dilute and make what was once pure and once clean totally messy. And this is how we look at ourselves. And honestly, this is, this is sin. It takes something that was nice and good, distorts it. It's bad. But then God says, I don't condemn you, but I do have the power to get rid of your sin. When you bring me into your life, I'll make you clean. I'll make you poor, pure. I will get rid of all of it every single time. And what I, what I love about that as well, if I did this the right way, is that even if we sin, or we sin, God cleans us, God has nothing to do with sin. You keep pouring God, it just, he will stay pure the entire time. Sin can't come against him. Sin can't destroy him. No matter what you do, he was always there and he will always cleanse you from everything. You guys have no idea how I was like, oh, please work, please work, please work, right? <laughs> God promises forgiveness. That makes us clean. He's the only one that can do that for us. He is the only one that can take something that was imperfect and make it perfect, something that was dirty and make it pure and righteous. He is the only one. He's the ultimate cleaner, the ultimate savior, the ultimate forgiver. This is what God does for us when we receive his forgiveness. He promises this through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 1.18. He says, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your skins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. As though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. When we receive God's forgiveness, we're transformed. We're a new creation. We're brand new. This is where God's sacrificial offering of Jesus comes into play because his blood was shed on the cross we get to seek a way to walk with him every day. We start doing things his way, and we see how his word is pleasing and perfect and good every single time. We talked about early in this series how God promises to never leave or never forsake you, and he does this by walking with you in every single step. 1 Peter 1.16 says, For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. What that means is be set apart because he is set apart. Walk differently because he is different. Live for him because it's better than living for ourselves. All of your efforts, all your works, all, all the holiness he talks about here is something you cannot do on your own, but he promises to be with you every single step of the way. And, it's, and that all comes to start when we understand who he is and we receive this free gift of forgiveness that he promises us. This is a permanent solution to a big problem. Through Jesus, this kind of forgiveness is possible. Here it is for the last time. And like I said, I've read this verse a number of times now. So if you haven't highlighted it yet, catch a hint and highlight this verse. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Man, is, is there a sweeter promise of God than that to forgive us? I, I would say that is, of all the things we've talked about, and all these promises are good, I would say, man, this is the sweetest one. This one is, allows us to hit that restart button all the time. But again, I would challenge you guys today. If there's something in your life that you know, this, what I'm doing right now, this is not of God, talk to him about it. Start with that conversation. The, the first step was confessing, right? Confess with him. Say, God, here's what I'm doing. And sometimes if your sin is something where it's affecting other people, you may end up being like that woman where you're not even confessing it to God. Other people are bringing you to God to confess it, right? They literally brought the woman to God and talked about her sin. I personally would rather go to God first. 
Then have a crowd of people drag me to him and say, here's where you need to have, you need to have a literal come to Jesus moment. Go to God with it. Say, God, what am I doing? What, here, or here's what I'm doing. How can I, help me turn away from it. I received this forgiveness you've given me and let me turn from this and focus more on you. I'd like to invite the, the worship team up to come to a close this morning. I'd like to invite you all to stand with me as well. To know that we are eternally forgiven. We are eternally restored and redeemed in our relationship with God is so sweet. I love that Isaiah even says, he forgets our sin. Think of that. We confess our sin. We receive forgiveness. And then when we're holding ourselves down saying, I remember what I did, God, God's like, what are you talking about? We dealt with that. It's done. It's over. He's not thinking about it. We don't need to think about it either. Let it propel us to do greater things. Let's propel us to trust in him more. Let it propel us to dive into his hands more than we ever have before. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. That is powerful right there. The God of the universe says, I don't look at your sin anymore. I'm looking at you because I dealt with it. It is wiped out. You are forgiven and free. Live like it. For most of, in the, most of us in the room, this is the best news ever, right? Maybe you're here today saying, I, didn't, I don't think I could ever forget what I've done. It haunts me. It follows me. It just sits in the back of my memories and it just rears its ugly head in the most inconvenient times. Know that God's bigger than that. God's bigger than that thought and he's there. He'll get rid of it completely. He won't even give memory to the past shortcomings or failures. He says, I'm looking at the new creation Scripture says when you come to Christ, you are a new creation. You are redeemed. You were bought. You are saved. He's not looking at the old anymore. He's looking at you brand new. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you for your amazing gift of forgiveness. God, I thank you that in a, for me personally, a sinner who sins, someone who is not worthy of what you give, God, I thank you that you pour it out to me on a daily basis. I thank you for, for this place, God, that we can come together knowing that we're not perfect, but knowing that you are and you're here. And you don't see us through, through the, the eyes of an angry God, but you see us through the eyes of a loving Savior who wipes out our pasts. God, I pray that we, we do what, what you told this woman to do. God, we, we go and we sin no more. We live our life the best way we can for you, and we receive this gift of forgiveness that you've given to us. God, allow us to thrive in that, to grow in that, and to shoot forward with that each and every day, all for you. And we ask this in your name. Amen.